So if I'm digging away, you know, I've been in the sun, my back's hurting, and I finally find that gold, that beautiful nugget, and I'm just so excited to see what I can do with it. Well, to get that gold actually turned into cash or whatever actually would be useful to you, you have to go to the other side of town. You have to catch three trains to get it to the gold. You know, Oliver, the jewelry buyer, for those in Toronto who who know that guy who, who might be buying your your gold from you, He's the cash man, right? <laughs> yeah, there's commercials. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, all right. Well, welcome back. And I say back because our first episode was such a smash hit that I assume just about everyone in the mortgage industry got a chance to listen to it. And so now we just got return listeners coming back. You're one of the few where this is your first episode, first time hearing us. Welcome to Mortgage Tech Talks. I'm going to be your host, Tom. With me again is my esteemed colleague, Maybe the star of the first show. He's either first or second. I don't know. One of the two. But his name is Massimo, one of my colleagues, and uh, he's going to be joining me today. So to get right down to business here, what we're going to be getting into today is a concept that we hear a bunch, maybe one of those buzzwords, I would say. And I think what we really want to explore today is, well, is it a buzzword? How can we get a little bit deeper on it? And how can we actually apply it? to our businesses from a technology perspective. And what that buzzword is, drumroll please, is data mining. So it's sometimes a big scary word, like I said, used in you know fancy corporate presentations. But let's break it down. Let's get right into it here. So maybe let's start with, just for you, Massimo, what does that word, that phrase mean to you? And then maybe actually what would be interesting too is where have you heard it? You know, maybe some of the clients that we work with, you know, how are they using that phrase or how are they incorporating what they call data mining in their businesses? Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And just for everyone, a heads up that's listening, I say data, Tom says data. So this episode is going to be interesting. Uh, You'll know who's who, I guess. Uh, But uh, it's the same thing. And I mean, what is data mining? As Tom said, it's been a buzzword for many years. The way I think of it is just, it's a fancy way of saying looking or searching in your database based on certain criteria to find things. And so the traditional word mining is you're you're taking a pickaxe and digging down into the earth or whatever to find some nuggets of gold or some pieces of information. And so that's probably the easiest way to think of it. And if you have a database already, it doesn't have to be sophisticated. Like it could be as simple as looking through an Excel file, putting filters on an Excel file is data mining putting multiple filters to find something, that's data mining. Going through your Outlook inbox, that's technically data mining, right? So you could put it in many different ways, but I think in the in the context for this episode, we're going to focus on databases and CRMs because that's kind of our world and drilling down on certain pieces of information to hopefully find some outcomes or prove some hypothesis right or things of that nature. So that's how I think of it. Yeah, yeah I think that you know the, the mining piece of it, that side of it is to say, well, you know, a lot of times in business, we're out there, we're looking around, we're trying to find, looking up, looking, trying to find those opportunities, the low hanging fruit, you know, you hear that phrase sometimes, but that's all kind of, you know, looking up and seeing what's there. But sometimes we forget what's right below our feet, right? And that's what I think about the mining. Mining is about looking down, doing some digging, seeing what's there, and and trying to find that gold, that value that you didn't even realize that you had, but really making the most of that, right? And I think the cool thing about any type of data mining is that it's a positive feedback loop, right? In that, okay, if I'm able to 
find opportunities in my database that's going to lead to more clients or more referral partners or whatever it might be. And then that becomes a whole nother set or group of data that I can then go mine again, right? And then that happens again and again and again. So it's one of these things that if you can get good at it, make it a rhythm in your business, you know, it just kind of feeds itself. So, yeah. I mean, one thing to think about too, like Tom's got the, uh, you've got the revenue hat on or the increased value, things of that nature, but it can also be used operationally to find things that are going poorly, right? Like you said, you may just be running for an analogy or just running forward. You're not necessarily looking down that your, your shoelace is coming untied or whatever. And so the data mining can also be used to look at things that you could be doing better or things you're not doing right or things that are messing up that you wouldn't see unless you really dig down. And that obviously can lead to more revenue, but it can also lead to decreased costs and uh, decreased inefficiencies. So yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, well, I think maybe it might be worthwhile is just let's get into some specific examples there. So I think, you know, you talked about your shoelaces being untied uh, as, as the more analogous example, but I guess in getting specific now, and, and maybe if you can use some examples of people you've talked to, people looking at their data saying, you know, where are the gaps? Where am I missing something? Where's an opportunity where I can maybe not have to hire someone as quickly? I can instead be much more efficient myself. You know, do you have, you see that come up a bunch? Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of situations, some that are more common than others. So like, here's an example. Let's say you put a client with, I don't know, TD or, or some bank like TD, Scotiabank, and all of a sudden Scotiabank changes their rules or TD changes their rules or there's a clause in their contract that is going to be breached. You can then use data mining in your CRM. You can drill down and say, okay, show me everyone who's with TD. Show me everyone who closed with TD in between X and Y date and uh, show me all of them specifically in Ontario because provincial rules have just changed. So that's an example of it. And once you have that, then the fun part comes. And we can talk about that a little later, like some keys to success and what you can do with it. But you could send them all an email blast or you could create a task to follow up. So that's an example of kind of reactionary data mining where it's like, oh, crap, how do I find these people and what can I do with them to help them or make me more money? Another one here is, and this is a popular one. I think you've seen this one too, Tom, is variable rate stuff, like rates change. And we've been through a lot of that in the last... <laughs> Has that happened at all yeah, recently? Yeah, yeah. Maybe or, nine times or what's yeah. it been now? Oh I don't know. God, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I've lost track. That's yeah, you know it's bad. that you've, you've lost track yeah, of the I number just, of rate increases. Oh, that's, I, I think there have been some... I mean, this hasn't happened in, I don't know, 20, 30 years or more. But like, I think there's been some records on how fast it increased. So, at right? least in Canada, maybe in the States too. I think in the States too. I think yeah, it's everywhere. It's been crazy. So yeah, when that happens, almost quarterly or almost monthly now, you obviously, or you should have the rates of your clients in your CRM. You can then drill down and say, show me everyone who has a variable rate, because those are the ones being affected. Show me all of them that have a rate between X and Y. And then you can do fun things with it too, like by province or by lender and tailor your messaging. But there's also probably, maybe you can talk to that, Tom, like, some things you can do with them, like you could start inferring maybe mortgage payments or whatever. I think you've yeah. had some clients in the past that got really sophisticated with it. Yeah, I mean, one of the cool things with, with I guess, anything like this data mining is that basically once you start it, you know, I talk about it being self-fulfilling in terms of the opportunity, but it also, I think it's self-fulfilling for yourself. And what I mean by that is basically it's 
It's an exciting thing. It's an activity that you're not going to have to drag yourself to your computer or to your Excel document or whatever it is. There can be some pretty cool things with it. And so the whole point of me saying that is that what we've seen in some cases like this, you know, we start and we say, hey, maybe filter your variable rates. But then our clients have taken that and just run with it. And so, you know, a good example will be, okay, yes, you've got this variable rate. Yes, your rate is changing. That's a really nice message. That's something you could email, text, whatever you'd want to do to your clients. But what we've seen people do is actually take it a step further. In there, let's just use the Excel sheet because that's what a lot of people maybe are familiar with. They add a new column and they say, let's call that column payment change amount. And what they're able to do is say, well, take a look at your mortgage, take a look at the rate change. And between those two inputs, you can actually calculate how much at least interest has changed in terms of your payments that you're paying the lender. And so now instead of reaching out to your clients and saying, hey, John, you have a variable rate, your interest payments have now increased. Instead, now you can go to them and say, hey, John, I know you have a variable rate. I've run the numbers. You're actually going to be expected to pay about 154 bucks a month more in the interest payments. I know this might come as a shock. So if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. I'm happy to walk you through it. And just think about that, how much more powerful that message is versus hey, John, rates are changing, give me a call. You're giving them very contextualized information that is valuable to them, is specific to them, and really showing that you care, right? That you care personally about them really goes a long way, right? So the the data, maybe the conclusion in that example is that it's not just about finding the opportunity. It's about being smart with the opportunity that's presented to you. So yeah, you know, you can get really deep with some of the stuff, which is, which is really, really cool. So you know, I think for a lot of our people listening, maybe, and the clients, when we talk about these types of things, people get excited, right? I mean, it's an exciting thing. Like just even that example that I've given or the ones you gave us, it's like, yeah, you know, I want to do that for my business. Let's go. And that's really where the rubber hits the road. So I guess if you're talking to a client mass and they're at that stage, fired up, ready to go, you know, getting jazzed up with this data mining idea, what would you kind of say to them at this point, right? So I'm standing in front of you getting all excited. Well, what would you say to me in that situation of saying, okay, well, these are the things you need to think about to make sure you're doing it right. You know, if I'm thinking about going out and mining, what should be in my toolkit? What tools should I have? What should I prepare for? Are there snakes in the ground? What, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What am I, what am I looking out for? Yeah, I mean, if you were to come and say, okay, I want to get started. I mean, the first step with all of this is if your data is not clean, you're not going to get much out of it. And so, I mean, it would be like mining with a dull pickaxe and mining where there isn't any gold. And so you really want to make sure that wherever your data is, if it's in Excel or in a CRM or whatever, you got to make sure that the data that's in there is accurate and searchable. If it's in fields, like for example, like a stupid example, if you're trying to figure out someone's rate, and you have it in a multi, like a, a paragraph that has text in it and dates in it and all of that, you're not going to be able to search it in Excel, never mind a CRM, right? So you really want to make sure that everything is formatted in such a way that it's actually searchable. And honestly, these days, that's at least in our mortgage landscape in Canada, the, the databases, most people push data through, Phylogic, Velocity, et cetera. Uh, and then the CRMs that attach them, usually that's not such a big deal. Like the data is pretty clean, but that's something to keep in mind. If you have bad data, you're not going to be able to pull any data out of it, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, when you think about that bad data, I think there's two ways to think about it, right? So you talked about really kind of where do I search? It's almost like the map having good data, 
right? If you have a very well laid out map, hey, the gold is here, you know where to start digging, right? If it's in the paragraph, you don't know. But the other thing about it is that the almost more dangerous thing is the fake data or the not up to date data. And I would say that in our mining analogy is like fool's gold, right? Is that you get in there, you get all excited, you you know, send out a blast to your client saying, hey, I found this great opportunity. And they go, uh, <laughs> that, that mortgage isn't valid anymore, right? Yeah. I've renewed twice since, yeah. you know, what are you doing? So being, being smart about that. And I guess, you know, the last thing that I talk about too with this data mining, and I'll try to can keep the analogy going because I think it's a good one, is just being quick to convert, right? So what does that mean? So if I'm digging away, you know, I've been in the sun, a back's hurting, and I finally find that gold, that beautiful nugget, and I'm just so excited to see what I can do with it. Well, to get that gold actually turned into cash or whatever actually would be useful to you, you have to go to the other side of town. You have to catch three trains to get it to the gold. You know, Oliver, the jewelry buyer for those in Toronto who who know that guy <laughs> who might be buying your your gold from you. He's the worst. The cash man, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's commercials right there. Yeah, yeah. I've never dealt with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. But uh, in any case, if if you have to go super far far to actually turn that into value, then you're not going to be mining so much. It might be great to mine and do it, but then to actually turn that into value is tough. And so also having the systems not only to dig and find that coal, but once you find it, being right next to the railroad, right? So you can just throw it onto the cart and, and it goes and it's gone and you have that distribution or that way to turn what you find into opportunity very, very quickly. Because I've seen it so many times... You know, people do a bunch of Excel. They say, okay, you know what? It's taken me a little bit, but I found these three clients who have a great variable rate that I think I find an opportunity for. Now what? Right? And now it's like, oh, I got to go out and buy, you know, MailChimp. Okay, now I got to set up my MailChimp. Okay, now I got to upload it in there. Now I got to create a template. Now I got to actually send it out. You know, all those steps that I just described there are quite time consuming, can be, right? And so the key, I think, also with this is, okay, let's find the opportunity, but then let's also be really smart about what we do with it. Yeah, right, and find the right tools to do that. No, totally. And I mean, just one last little piece on keys to success, I guess we're calling it, is come into this with like a hypothesis and a little bit of a problem. So in the analogies we're giving, it's like, okay, rates have changed. I have to find the people that are variable. Like that's a problem you're trying to solve. If you just go in there clicking around, it's not necessarily a good use of your time. You might go down rabbit holes and start inferring certain things in the data you might start making patterns make more sense in your head than they actually are. So come into it with a problem and a bit of a plan, as Tom's saying, and a quick one out of it. Those are probably the biggest things that we see people that are doing this successfully, they have. Make sure you have, have good playbook, data. Right? Yeah, yeah, basically a playbook. It's like, right. okay, I've got a clean database. I, I know where to find the data. I know how to action the data. I'm going to do it quickly. And also, I'm going to come in with a problem or a hypothesis that I'm trying to prove or a problem I'm trying to solve. And that really makes a big difference. Yeah. And I think some hypotheses we've seen people do is like, okay, I have an hypothesis that there's a step in my process that's the slowest. It's slowing me down. And so that's kind of the shoelace. Or I've seen people with a hypothesis of saying, hey, I think I've done mortgages for people who are investors that have multiple properties. And I think I can find opportunities there right? In those additional properties that maybe I didn't do the mortgage for, but on the mortgage application, right? So those are some quick examples. I would say I'd challenge it maybe just a little bit and and you can challenge back if you want. I'd say the only exception I think to that of being hypothesis driven is this new scary slash exciting territory that I think we're going into, which of course is is the AI territory. And I think, you know, how long have we lasted being a technology podcast without saying the word AI? I think we've done pretty good actually. 
32 minutes 32 yeah exactly stop the clock but (laughs) here we are and i think that's that's actually the exciting opportunity that exists that you you can have all these great hypotheses all these amazing things that you know in your playbook and that's going to serve you really really well but where i think we might actually be going is that not only can the computer generate the results for you but can actually generate the question right so actually being able to look at your data and saying hey actually there's this very interesting segment in your data that's not in anybody else's but the way you do business there's this very unique set of data that could potentially lead to opportunities and so it's about actually generating a hypothesis for you and having those hypotheses specific to your data right saying actually, because the way your data is set up, I think there might be something there. And I think that is, there's a lot of excitement there. And I don't know if you think that's just smoke and mirrors, or what do you think of that, that type of possibility? No, I, I think that's a fair challenge. And I think you're right. Like, and it's happening faster than we think. And I mean, both of us are into AI and playing with it. I maybe tinker with different tools than you, but um, you're the tinker. Yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've been playing with ChatGPT and starting to use it in our business in, in many areas. And I mean, it's owned by Microsoft now. And so I'm sure it's going to be crawling over Excel data very soon. But uh, I think that is definitely what's going to happen. And so, I, I mean, in the short term, I think you're going to have to interact with the AI a little bit and prompt it. Can't remember the term they're using now, but I prompt think, engineering. Yeah, prompt that, engineering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're going to have to kind of tell it where to dig, and it's going to dig, and it's going to come up with some cool stuff. But very soon, it's going to find anomalies. It's going to find. And we're already seeing it in some CRMs. Anomaly detection, like it'll say, "Oh, you've closed ten less tasks than normal. What's going on?" Or these deals are closing right. faster than other ones if their deal type is X. And so you're right. I, I think that's definitely going to happen, and that's huge power there for sure. And there are things that you probably wouldn't even think of. There's going to be shoelaces you didn't know were being untied and clients you didn't know you could close. So, yeah, I think that is coming very soon. It's going to be your own personal business consultant, right? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, you talked about the garbage in, garbage out concept. I think, of course, that applies when it comes to AI, maybe even more so, right? Making sure it's the clean data. But I think, you know, there is that future for going down this rabbit hole that I think we are right now, which is saying, okay, well, there could be a ton more opportunity. It could be, I think, for a lot of people start to be the make or break in their business of properly applying the AI to their applications and, and finding these types of things. I think it's more and more, not because, you know, necessarily there's a ton. Well, how I put it maybe is that I think the top, top mortgage brokers are going to use that and they're going to really be able to differentiate themselves based on that. And so I think, the people listening in the mortgage business who want to be top tier, they really need to start thinking about this. And I think the big watch out that we hear from our clients, some of our top clients are really thinking about this is is the ownership right, of the data. I mean, if you're talking about garbage in, garbage out, the opposite of that is, you know, clean in, clean out. But then you also want to control the in, right? You want to be able to have be the master of your own destiny to say, hey, I'm actually choosing and I have control over what's going into the machine. Does that make sense? Am I am I <laughs> continuing the analogy properly, would you say? Yeah, no, you are. And I mean, it's a tough one to kind of answer or solve right now. Like bigger companies are investing a lot in their own data and their own AIs and they're training them. I mean, for the average broker in Canada, that might be a, a tall hill to climb. But in general, I mean, leveraging AI to improve or make your business more efficient is definitely something you have to do if you want to differentiate. And little things like what we were talking about, some of these examples we talked about can be automated. When rates change, you just prompt the AI and it can just blast everyone that has lower rates, right? And so 
that's stuff you're going to have to lean into. And at the end of the day, it's providing better customer service to your clients. They don't care if it's you or, or an AI sending it. It'll look like it's from you, obviously. But at the end of the day, they want to know how this implicates or um, can affect them. The reality is, I mean, people are going to do it, whether it's you or your brokers or the lender <laughs> right. or whatever. Like yeah. the big companies are investing in this stuff, probably starting with the lenders and then the brokerages just because of cash type thing. But lenders are definitely leaning into this too find anomalies, to find people that may default or are more likely because they have your bank accounts, they have all kinds of stuff, right? And so they're using it to be more proactive and so should you. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, the difference between yourself, maybe as a mortgage broker or maybe someone at the lender, I'd say, you know, let's assume now that everyone has access to the same data, which I think is a fair assumption to some degree, right? But uh, let's continue on that. I think I always say, well, lenders, as you talked would have the advantage in terms of cash, in terms of these, some of these other things. But what I say brokers always have the advantage for is just the first mover ability. When this, these new tools come out, these new abilities, for a bank, you know, it's going to take, what, two years of testing and Five this years. and approvals and project management sheets or whatever. You know, as a broker, you could log into ChatGPT, start account and start doing it. That's two hours versus two years. Right. So that's the opportunity, I think. And the cool thing about it, I think, is that with these types of technologies, they only accelerate. And so the ability to always adapt to the latest and greatest thing is going to be more and more of a competitive advantage. Yeah. And some of these tools like ChatGPT, I think they're, they just brought out like a way to, uh, it can crawl your own databases or your own set of data instead of necessarily going elsewhere. So you can start like training it uh, yeah. yourself. I honestly haven't played with that tool. I heard about it recently. We've been toying with it internally from a support perspective, but that'll be, that's kind of another topic. Anyways, yeah, I, I mean, the AI piece of this whole puzzle is coming really quick. And it's funny, I was at a mortgage conference the other day. It was like a broker event the other day, a couple months ago now. And the brokerage head was up on the stage talking about ChatGPT and half the crowd didn't even know what that was. And so uh, I, I was surprised now, arguably I, I work in tech and, some brokers don't really jump into tech as much as they should, but you really got to know this stuff because it can make your life so much easier and it can also just accelerate your business dramatically. And so get the data in a place where the AI can help you get the right data, follow some of these steps we talked about, and the AI can just kind of fuel the fire. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically going to be, if we're going all the way back to our original analogy of you know digging for gold, it's just going to be like a a robot digging for you. Yeah. That's where it's going to yeah, end up being, right? And so you want to make sure you're feeding the robot the right fuel, right? Give it the right map, give it the right place to look, have ownership over that data that's feeding into it. And it's just going to, it'll never replace, right? I always say this and I stand by it. It's never going to replace the digger. It's never going to replace the person, the mortgage professional, but it's just going to accelerate the people who can use it the best. So I guess we kind of started a data mining, simple stuff, Excel sheets, went into kind of best practices and then wandered down the rabbit hole, which is AI. And I could see ourselves doing it a couple of times, I'm sure on this podcast again, but I guess any kind of final thoughts, Mass, before we wrap up on, on the whole gambit as it relates to data mining? I would say like the theme of all our podcasts is start slow. Don't overcomplicate it. Like we were given really basic examples of like Excel with some filters, right? Like if you don't have a CRM, don't feel like you have to go run out and get one. So you have an Excel file, take some of these examples we gave, make sure your data's clean. And don't be scared of the buzzword. Like it's just drilling down on data with a purpose and hopefully with a good outcome. So jump in, 
don't go too crazy. Like just kind of take a tidbit and say, okay, I'm going to try to find my variable clients, or I'm going to try to find clients that have more than one mortgage with me in the last two years. Maybe I can push them over to a, oh, this is a new example, now, but push them over to a wealth manager or a life insurance company or whatever. Right. So keep it simple. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Just, keep it simple. Yeah. yeah. Fine. Get the quick win, right? Do the simplest thing you can think of. Do it, get it out. You'll realize how easy it was. It's going to give you the fuel to try the next thing and the next thing before you know it, you're going to be a champion of this. So I think that's as good a place as any to wrap up. Thanks so much for everyone who stuck with us for the second ever episode. We're getting really excited about this. If you do have any suggestions, future podcasts, we're always all ears. Please leave them in the comments below. And thanks again. Bye for now. Bye.